Hello to all of you out there. I am Ulrike Seminati, host of the podcast, Empowering Female Leaders for Women Who Want to Thrive. Every week you will get new perspectives, exciting insights and empowering messages of women from all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. I am pleased to welcome today Sue Falcone, who has decades of experience from every side of event planning as a former corporate executive, event planner, professional speaker, and now as a talent booker. This depth and breadth of firsthand knowledge gives her unequaled insights into the challenges of the speaking industry today and how to meet those challenges. Sue, do you want to add a few words about yourself? Thank you so much for having me, Yuli, because... I had to learn how to pronounce your name too. So this is this is an interesting. I love being in Switzerland. Thank you for inviting me to your country. This is great. Well, I, I started at an early age knowing that I had something bigger in my destiny and in my future. And I can remember two things about me. I'm a lifelong learner. I love to read. And I love music and I love to dance. So that's kind of how this whole thing started. It's a great career that you have. And you have certainly learned so many things over these decades of life that you already have behind you. It's very impressive. You have such a warm and sunny energy that comes out of you. So <laughs> if people could see you, then they, they would see this. But I'm sure that you will also hear it through the microphone. Sue, how did you come to your choice of going into the speaking business? I mean, this was certainly an evolution in your career. It definitely was. I didn't choose it because I grew up very shy, very introverted. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I really thought I wanted to be a writer. <laughs> My, I'm from Oklahoma, so I really wanted to be a country western singer. Now, I love music, so I thought, but I was too shy didn't have any backing. So that kind of wasn't the, the fit, but I did get a graduated from high school. I was one of the first in our family to do so. So I, I didn't grow up in an educated environment there. But what happened is I got a scholarship to college, again, the first in our family, and I spent a wonderful time there, but it didn't last. And so then I knew, okay, I've got to go to work. I've got to find a job. What am I skilled at? And I just happened to answer. I had moved from Oklahoma to Louisiana, and I just happened to answer at the unemployment security <laughs> department there an ad for, for Bell Telephone Company. And that's the rest of the story, because they hired me sight unseen, and they saw something in me that made them want to invest resources, time, mentoring, so that 30 years later, I would retire as an executive. It's an amazing story. How did you feel at the beginning of your career about this? Were oh. you to see the bigger picture by then already? Yeah, I was scared. <laughs> I can tell you. And I started from the bottom. I was a long distance operator. And that at that time, you had to do it almost manually. No more just clicking, all right? You had to uh, 
actually physically build that call to make a call for a person with cords and you had to time it on a machine yourself. Now, look, I got good at that because I loved helping people. So that led into then a training opportunity so I could train other long distance operators. And then that led on up. And then when I really got into some things that I needed help, I needed, they sent me to Dale Carnegie. Now I'm a Dale Carnegie graduate and honored and happy to be so. But that was the, looking back, that was the most scary time of my life to get up in front of people and just let go of everything from the past and your identity that you had in your mind and be able to impact people, to be able to lead people. And in those days, it was interesting because there wasn't many women <laughs> in, in the fields, you know, of advancement, leadership, doing those things. So that was another part of it that was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, here I am. They're giving me all the tools and talent that I could need that, that would help develop me. But I've got to do the hard work and get over that fear and get over that um, the dream, you know, get over that I could really reach that dream, realize that I could be there. And that was that was an experience that I look back on it now and I recommend highly still Dale, Dale Carnegie training to anyone simply because it changed my life. It's a famous method as well. Today, we see it everywhere. We see everywhere personal development coachings and all of that. And mm -hmm. people have a lot of opportunities if they want to develop themselves, to, to step over their fears, to learn who they are, to build on their strengths, whatever. I mean, there are many concepts. I am having mine as well. And every coach <laughs> has different concepts. But by that time, there was not so much choice and you went into, into something new and you were just like a bit by yourself, as I understand, <laughs> also see yourself as a woman in this area. How did you manage that? Was it difficult for you? Was it natural? Was it even joyful to go on this journey? How did you perceive that? Well, I realized early on the focus of what I wanted because I wanted to be a success. You know, growing up in, in not the best of circumstances where success wasn't even thought about. There was no coaching. There was no encouragement there. But I knew that the path was there. I was a happy person. I mean, underneath, even though I could be fearful, but on the outside, I still was joyful. I was happy. I was honored to be able to be in where I was at. And so that kind of just stirred me along. And then AT&T did some ex excellent things because they sent me a mentor. They sent me to all the trainings and all like that, but a mentor called Zig Ziglar. Now I am honored and blessed to have been mentored by him. And uh, it was so funny because I always had red hair. His wife had red hair. So that was a connection, you know, but he was always at AT&T. I mean, we had him for lots of events. So that got me into the event thing of knowing how to book speakers, how to get great speakers, how to keep them, what they needed. So then I got into that end of it. So it just kind of advanced me along. And he told me all about speaking. 
you taught me all about it. And I still remember that today. And I'm still doing, I still love learning. So I still have a coach. I mean, we all need coaches. I said, I'm honored that I get to represent a lot of speakers who are great coaches as well. <laughs> so I have some insights there still. See, that's still that path that I'm on. And I'm thinking about expanding a little bit more of my company into maybe doing some coaching. But that could be another part of what Remarkable does. When you look back, I said, oh, wow, you didn't know how it all connected then. And you didn't know where it would end up at, but you knew you were on the journey. And that's the key today to women in leadership and where they're facing is don't give in, don't give up, don't quit, be joyful on the journey. And that's the key. There are a few important points which you mentioned here. The first, which I retain, first thing which you said You, you said, I always knew I want to be successful. And I think having a vision, first of all, is very important to just believe in something greater because that moves you forward. If you want to believe in something greater, obviously, not everyone has to do that. That's clear. But right. those who want to do that, I think it's very important to shape your vision and have an idea what you want to become. Not exactly, maybe, because then the life path is sometimes zigzagging and sometimes not exactly what you imagined it would be. But I think, first of all, that. And then another thing that you said, and I think this is very, very special, certainly about you. <laughs> I don't know you for very long, but what I see is that you say you are a happy person. And many people are not, well, I wouldn't say that they're not happy persons, maybe not the right expression, but most people spend a bigger part of their day worrying, being anxious about their future, anxious about the next meeting, criticizing themselves all the time. So they spend a big part of the day not being happy in that sense. So whereas I think that you went through it always with this shining inside of you that carried you through even through challenges, through situations where you weren't sure about yourself and where you still managed it because you just went in with a high level of optimism. Is that describing you in the right way? Yes, it is. Because I came from an era where it said, you need to fake it till you make it. Remember those? And I, today I look back on that. I said, how wrong were we? That was really wrong. Because, and I see it today, some people are still faking it. You know, we've got to be this and this to everybody, this and this. I said, that's not how this works, to have true joy and have true happiness and be at peace. Because <laughs> it'll never bring you that because you'll never be good enough in your own self to do that. But at an early age, God entered my life and stayed with me through all the things I went through. And that's not a path that everybody chooses, but it worked for me. And so I had some faith and believing that I was going to trust and I could be taken care of and that all that would work out. So that made it a little easier. But let me just tell you, it's still tough, <laughs> you know, because what the world wants to throw at you can really convince you that, hey, you know, Today's a bad day. <laughs> you know, this is bad. But when I get there, and it's not that I don't have bad days, but I have to remember all the good days. And once, if you can focus on that, you can then make it through to the next day. But again, 
it's a place where you have to be at to get there. And a lot of people say, you're just too happy, Sue. You're just too positive. And I said, I don't know how else to be because I'm not, I know what negativity can do. So I don't want to go there. And I don't want anybody else. I don't want to take anybody else there. So I want to give a positive message. And a quick story is one time I had an executive manager that we had had a tremendous successful year. I was so excited to be in the position I was in. We had great results. And then in AT&T, you got rewarded once a year. So you had your little talk and they decided how much they could give you, right? And so I went into that conversation really just on top of the world because, you know, hey, everything was going great. And he looked at me and he said, Sue, we have decided that we just don't understand how you can be as joyful and happy all the time. So we realize you must be a fake. And I was sitting there, a fake, okay. Didn't think that, okay. And he says, and because of that, we don't see a future for you here. And oh, by the way, no, we're not rewarding you anything this year. I'm like, mm, okay. And further, he said, I would suggest that you be looking for another position. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> that was a bunch to swallow in one 15-minute session. And all I could do is like, well, thank you very much. I'll be back in touch with you. I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't going to sit there and defend myself because I knew that wasn't the key, right? So I called my husband and I said, I'm not quitting. <laughs> I said, I love what I do and I'm good at it. I said, I'm not going to quit. So I went back in and said, I'm not quitting. And he, <laughs> he kept sending me emails thinking suggestion that I do. And I'm like, hmm, this is kind of really strange. But within three weeks, another department called me. I didn't solicit anything. They called me and offered me the job of a lifetime. And I said, when I got that call, I said, I wasn't looking. And they said, we know you weren't looking, but we were looking at you. And matter of fact, they gave me a terrific raise to take that job. <laughs> I went home. I said, okay, thank you. That's exactly how you have to sometimes wait. You can't jump and be in crisis mode and get there and make snap decisions because they don't always work out. So that's the key, I think, is being able to listen and wait so that you don't get into situations that may not work out for you the best. I think your story is a great example of many different things. <laughs> if I listen to it, I mean, the first one is your remarkable reaction to it, because when somebody tells someone, especially a woman who mostly is pretty self-critical, 
that yeah, something's not right with you that can very quickly lead to a totally different reaction than the one that you had, which was one like, I stand by myself. I'm okay like that. I feel great about myself. And this, this is my role. And I stand by that. Having this courage is truly remarkable. It is something that many women, certainly men as well, but many women, especially when they try to become a leader or climb up the hierarchy ladder, struggle with just sticking to themselves, being true to themselves and not giving that up because they feel like there is someone who is in my way to climb up this ladder, who has to approve potentially things that I can climb up this ladder and I have to be different. And this is when they are no longer authentic and this is when they lose themselves. And this is then when they're not happy at work anymore because you can't be happy if you're not yourself at work. And your example is very remarkable because I also believe that when you truly stick to yourself, when you just believe that I am like I am and I stay happy no matter what, and I, I stay in this positive energy, the universe sends you a solution and you got a great solution. <laughs> and I think this is how things can work out. It makes such a difference what you think about yourself and then things come from the outside. It's not the other way around. Let's really move to a topic. I think that the audience is very interested in the area of speaking as such, being a speaker, having good speaking skills. We touched on it a little bit in the last five minutes on the importance of being authentic if you are a speaker. Can you elaborate a bit on that? That what is the difference between someone who is a speaker who comes up with a, let's say, a fake it till you make it speech, which is very polished, factually very interesting. All of that, the structure is right, the storytelling is perfect in theory, but the person is not authentic versus someone who comes maybe with something that's not that polished, that is maybe a little bit, yeah, quirky even from time to time, but that is authentic. How do you compare these two ways of being? Well, today, it's amazing what COVID has really done. And a lot of people just want to look at the bad side of it. I said, I always want to look at the good because I believe everything happens for a reason. And not everybody has that confidence to believe that, but I believe that. I can remember when COVID hit, it devastated my business as well as every person around. And so I had to realize exactly what is it going to be that's going to make us still remarkable, unique, different, authentic. You're right. How do we keep that? Because I see a lot of speakers. In my lifetime, I have seen some of the best, and I have seen some of the not-so-best. The key is they're looking for a speaker today to create an experience, not only for the one that hired them, but also for the audience that will be a memorable experience and can change lives on a dime. And they're not looking for speakers who come and speak. People can come and speak, right? That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for creativity. They're looking for uniqueness. They're looking for some humor. They're looking for, yeah, you to be a storyteller of some fun stuff. People need that part of them able to come out. And they're not looking for presenters. They're not looking for lecturers. They're not looking for all those things that we've known what a speaker is, right? <laughs> no, 
They're looking for someone that can create an experience in as less time as possible. And virtual has done that to us too, because see, when we went to virtual and I'm one that says virtual is here to stay, we're not going away from it. So you might as well live with it and be the best at it. Because I had to learn how to do virtual too. I had to set up a studio. I had to know what I was doing. I had to understand how I could be just as exciting here as I can in person. So that's the experience that you're bringing. And the energy level has to be high. <laughs> that's another thing they're looking for in a speaker today. You got to have a high energy level. And you have to stand out about the ones that haven't decided that they really wanted to do that. When an event planner wants a speaker, they want to know if they can do virtual as well as in person. And you've got to be able to be able to do both. So that's kind of where it's trending towards. And you've got to put the event planner and the team and the audience first above yourself. This is how I learned to be a great speaker. It's not about me. It's not about me at all. I said, it's about what I can share to those that are here, those that will be seeing that, because that's the key. So when you get yourself out of the equation, then you can be yourself and you can have fun because it's okay. And even in the offices, and even if you're not in the office. So that's been the whole, the whole change. And I think it's good. I do, because I think it will welcome more into our industry. It opens different possibilities for different people. It is indeed a very different situation. And as you said in the beginning of the talk, there's this outreach that is so simple now. And like you say, you can travel to Switzerland. I travel to the US and, and fine. And it's just done in seconds. And we can reach an audience that is wherever on this planet. And I think this is a great achievement and something that I agree will certainly last. Many people who are working corporations spend hours and hours and hours in front of their PC in Zoom calls or in, in whatever else calls, but they sit in front of their computer. And I know that many people struggle quite a lot with the fact that you're often sitting in front of this mosaic of people where you can't see any movement because we depend so much as a human being on the nonverbal cues that we usually get when we have a face-to-face -face event, we are not even realizing how much information we get by these cues. And suddenly on screen, half of the body is missing or even more. <laughs> so that's the only thing. I know. I know. And uh, so there's a few nonverbal cues left from a speaker perspective. If you want to be an engaging speaker just on this little computer screen, what do people do? What is best practice? What can you do to engage your audience? Well, there's many different ways. And look, I am so thrilled when I say all these in practice. I mean, I have speakers that put the music in, okay? Music is, it's great getting people in that energy. And I tell event planners of virtual, make sure that a speaker can see the audience. Don't shut the, the screen off. Don't tell them, okay, shut your screen off. Shut your sound off. I like this. A speaker likes to see people. Okay. We have a gallery here that we can put the screen up. You know, I've got screens all over here. I can see you everywhere. Okay. But I want to see you. And so you have to practice and do the same thing that you would do in person. Because in person, 
We don't tell them to leave the room. We don't tell them, if I'm asking you a question, don't respond, do we? So it's the same thing on virtual. So you have to practice to have the energy. And it is so easy, just like it was so easy this morning to click in and be in Switzerland. <laughs> it's so easy just to click and be out of that conversation, isn't it? Or you can blank your screen and you can be doing three other things, right? That's not what it's all about because you don't go to a conference in person at all and do three other things. No, you're there, engage. It should be the same on virtual and the speaker has to set that tone. So you have to really think of that. Think of your audience, think of what you're doing and the best way to do it. And I think that's the key for everybody who is doing a job because you always have a client, be it an internal client, an external client, doesn't matter. But thinking about what does this client need, even if it's just my colleague sitting in front of me or my team, it's still an internal client and seeing it like that and engaging with them truly, instead of just delivering messages and pushing them out without any interaction, I think it's key to become much more interactive, even in presentations, because a pure presentation today, in my opinion, also doesn't work anymore. Nobody's interested. People go on their phone, they read their emails, they do completely different things. They listen half ear. As long as you do not engage them, there's, you do not have this effect. You do not have this connection that you want to have, and you cannot land your message at the end. And you'll get your message across because it's the the... Small things that matter. I put that out today as a positive post. It's the small things that matter, whether it's in a speaking to a live audience, whether it's speaking on a podcast, whether it's anything. It's the small things. It doesn't start with me selling a product or a person or a service or whatever. It starts with a relationship, just like with you and I. It started with a conversation before we ever got to this point. And that's, I think, key today. We've got to build those. Every business is a human business, basically. Every single business is a human business, no matter how digitalized it is, no matter how technical it is. It's always between human beings at the end. If the decision is made between human beings, the relationship is made. And if you have a good relationship, things happen. And if you have none, then nothing happens. <laughs> right. That's, that's key, I think. And surrounding yourself with those people that will encourage you to. That's another key thing about this. I want to be surrounded with positive people that I can learn from that will tell me the truth, that will be honest with me. And then we can laugh about it and I change. You know, I mean, that's the process here. You make those choices and decisions. But I think it's, uh, you know, Jim Rome said, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And look, if I'm the average, I want to surround myself with the best, right? <laughs> so I've, I've looked at that and, and I really I really feel like that is key, who you're being influenced by and who you listen to. And you can even find these people outside of your direct physical world. As soon as you start surrounding yourself, even by people like in a great podcast that you listen to, somebody you're following who is a real role model for you, that also counts in and influences and heightens your own profile because you see things differently by following people who are inspiring. It's very interesting. And you know, my, my key is I love meeting people who don't look like me, don't act like me, don't dress like I do, don't think like I do. Don't act like I do because I can learn so much. We're a global business and 
I love that because I'm meeting different people every day that I would never had the opportunity to meet, but maybe I wouldn't have taken the opportunity to meet them. And I just let go of that. There's no boundaries here. And I think a lot of people still have some of those boundaries that, and they're missing out. They're missing out on a blessing and being able to create those relationships that you never thought you'd be able to create. You, you didn't, but now we can because we want to. So I don't have any of that stuff in my head when I meet people. I want to know all about them. I want to learn from them because they're valuable. <laughs> Every person is valuable. And I believe that. I believe that too. I have an ebook actually that's called Top 10 Achievers Lessons. And one of these lessons is learn from the best. I think it has, it has a place in a top 10 list like this because mm -hmm. it's so important to learn from the best. Most of the time when we look at people who are much better than we are, we believe they're much better, much more successful, or they are already where we want to be in five, 10 or 20 years, then there's a lot of jealousy that is happening. There's this negative aspect to it. And I think this is totally wrong. We need to look at people who are where we want to be in a way that it's a learning opportunity. Learn from these people, ask them how they got there, ask them for what it took also to get there because nobody has an easy story. The most successful people often had very difficult stories actually to get oh, yeah. there. But no. I've learned that, yeah. <laughs> And you kind of thought you were the only one with a difficult story, right? <laughs> so you get to hearing every, I, that's why I want to hear stories because look, what I think I went through was nothing compared to what some people, some women are going through. I think that gives us that background of them being able to help people because that's what I want to do. I want to help people be simple, be better, learn easier, make life simpler for them. And that's what our speakers come and, and do. And our talent comes and does that we want to bring messages that will do that, that will help them, whether it's in their business, their life, their whatever, so that it doesn't have to be as difficult. It can be fun. <laughs> you can have joy on the journey. And where can people learn more about you and your business? Right. They can visit us at our website, remarkablespeakersbureau.com. Or you can reach us on LinkedIn under Sue Falcone, or we have a business page, Remarkable, a Speakers Bureau. And then we're on Facebook. We have a Facebook business page, as well as we're on Twitter under Remarkable and Instagram and all over. So you can reach us anywhere. And we will put all the links into the speaking notes. Okay, Sue, so I thank you very much for this wonderful talk. Time is flying by, really. And yeah, uh, yeah thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it. It was an honor to be here. And I wish you the best remarkable week. Do you want to get free access to my ebook Top 10 Achievers Lessons? To get your free ebook, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Then send me a screenshot of your review to my email address contact at ulrikaseminati.com and I will send you your ebook straight away. This was another episode of Empowering Female Leaders. What are the questions and topics in female leadership that you are interested in? Let me know in the comments on YouTube and Instagram or join our LinkedIn group. 
I'm excited to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for new talks with inspiring women from all around the globe. Thank you for listening.